Do you ever feel like you've made remarkable progress in one area of your life? Like you are just crushing it. But there's still some other areas where you haven't quite gotten it to where you want it to be. And it's weird because you know that area in which you are crushing it? The process that you use to get there is the exact same process that you are using in this other area, but it still hasn't worked. What is going on? I get it. I've been there. I'm going to tell you what's going on. Welcome to Possibilities with me, Hina Khan. I'm a peak performance coach and I help my clients oh, really create a life that they love. One without the hard, the grind, and the struggle. No time for that. And a life that you're creating through ease, joy, and fun. So there's that one area in your life that you haven't been able to quite master. And I don't know about you, but when this has happened for me, I've tried to make it okay not to have the thing that I want in that area. It's that thing that you try to busy yourself from. But when it's quiet, it comes up and you can't quite let it go. You have tried to make it not matter, but it still does. You know, for me, I felt that so strongly when we were in the adoption process. For years and years and years, we had wanted to adopt. It was something that Paul and I wanted when we first got together. We knew that if we were going to have children, one of the ways that we wanted to grow our family was through adoption. So we're in the process, but it was never working out. And I tried to let it go so many times and say, okay, well, you know what? I guess it doesn't really matter. It's okay. Because it was so painful to want something so bad that I tried to convince myself that it was not meant to be. I tried to be okay with it. I would say things like, well, Yusuf is an incredible boy. We had Yusuf, and maybe that's what our family looks like. I would say things like, Paul and I have been through a lot, and we have. Maybe we don't need to add more. Maybe this is okay right now. Or Yusuf is getting older. You know, he's out of those diapers and he's getting more and more independent, that, ah, you know what, things are getting easier, so maybe we just leave it as it is. And all these things I would say to myself, but nothing would fit. There was nothing that when I said it, I'd be like, okay, good, done. And I don't know if you can relate to this. To have something in your heart, to desire something so strong, and you've tried to deny it, and you've tried to dismiss it, and you've tried to make it okay to not have it, but it still has a hold on you. I mean, it's actually hard to tell. Are you holding the desire or is the desire holding you? The lines have been blurred. And it's like you're in a fight sometimes with this thing. And I remember thinking like, okay, if it's not meant to be, we've been in this process for years, remove it from my heart. Just take it. I can't take this anymore. And I was tired. I was exhausted being in that process. It's the kind of desire that really brings you to your knees. And for sure, I mean, I could park it for a few days, but not for long before it would start occupying my thoughts again. 
So then we hear about this thing called the ARE. It's called the Adoption Resource Exchange. And we are planning on going. Paul's parents are going to take care of Yusuf. But the night before, I'm ready to bail. I'm like, Paul, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this. At this point, we're all getting older. We're all going to be in diapers at the same time if this doesn't happen soon. Paul's like, you know what? Let's just do this. It'll be the last thing we do. I've already got my parents, you know, watching Yusuf, so let's do it. So I say, okay. As we're leaving that morning, I remember looking up. I don't know why we do that. We always look up, don't we? And I ask for a sign. But here's the thing. I don't want no small sign. Don't give me a piddly sign that I have to figure out. Is that a sign? Was that a feeling? I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Like, I want a sign. Do you know what kind of sign I'm talking about it? I want it to be flashing lights kind of sign. Like, I cannot deny it. I think you're getting the idea of what kind of sign I was looking for. So I asked for that. I said, give me a sign if my child is there. So then we go in, and it's hard to kind of explain what the process is like, but you're given this red binder, or we were, it was a red binder, and it has all the children that are available for adoption, well, for sure in our province, and it's a very strange thing to be looking through a binder with children that had one-pagers essentially written about them. And know that each page represented a child. All different ages, coming from all different situations. Some were siblings. And it's it's just very hard to describe what that is like. And we are looking through this binder. That's what it was. And, and what I also thought about, let me just say this. I thought, I, I'm sure that for the Children's Aid Society, this was the best way that they could introduce you who the children are up for adoption. Like, I just assume people are doing the best they can, and this is what they came up with as the best way. So we're looking through this binder, and we get towards the end, and I see the picture. This little boy in his cookie monster pajamas. And I look at Paul and I say, that's him. And Paul says, I know. Now remember, less than 24 hours before, I did not want to go. You don't know how close you are. It could be mere hours. And I want you to hear how the angels show up. So we go to the booth because there's these different booths, to the booth where the agency is that is, rep that is representing Imran. And we meet Jay Lomax. Jay was such an angel for us. We express our interest in Imran. And he asks, us, he asks us some questions, and then he lets us know that Imran's worker will be there. Do we want to meet her as well? She's going to be there in about maybe like an hour, hour and a half. And I'm like, of course. So we go to this breakfast place close by. I can't eat anything. I, Paul had no problem. He, he was still fine. But I couldn't even like think about bacon and eggs or anything like that. I mean, I'm feeling sick because now we're just sort of at this different place because now we see him. 
And so we go back to meet his worker, and we explain to her that we feel that Imran is right for our family. Now, I don't know what it's like to do their job, but I'm going to tell you something. She has given me nothing. She's not given me an ounce of hope. She's not leaning in at all. She's very poker-faced, polite, like she's lovely, very polite, but not giving me any indication that she even likes me, let alone would entertain me being the mother to this child. Anyways, I know she's doing her job. So we're leaving now. And as we're leaving, there's a DVD player. Do you know what a DVD is? You do, right? There's a DVD player. And you can see a video of the children. So Paul's like, do you want to see this video? And I'm like, we can. I don't need to, but we can. So we play it. And there he is, so cute, in his Thomas the Truck shirt. I think he's got a car or train in his hand. And he's walking around his little, like, two-and-a-half-year-old self. And then he goes and he puts his arm around this dog. And I look at the dog and I gasp. I'm like, oh! And I look at Paul. And I'm like, that's our dog. We had just gotten that exact same dog, exact same breed, a freaking dash hound. Who gets dash hound? They're the most awkward, odd dogs. Very territorial, being only enjoyed me. You have to understand something. My family, we did not grow up, we did not camp. We're not camping people. My parents did not come to this country to camp, to go without electricity. We did not do that, and we did not do dogs. Not part of our culture. So this was the first dog I'd ever had. We got this dog a week before. Now he's hugging the exact same dog. And I didn't know this about dogs. I didn't know that the exact same dogs look exactly the same. And it was the exact same color, black and tan. So I am like, first of all, this is the sign. I knew this was my flashing light sign. So then I go back to the worker and I tell her, I say, guess what? <laughs> She's like, yes. I'm like, we have the dog. We have the dog. Again, nothing from her. Not even a smile. She just said, oh, great. She was like, how nice. And then a whole new level of angst came in. Like we knew of him. He was ours. But did they know that he was ours? We had so many meetings. And it was Jay who advocated for us. Like what you don't understand is all the things that are happening behind the scenes. You don't know that. You're not privy to that. You're not going to know that till after. Neville Goddard would talk about that as the bridge of incidents. Steve Jobs says you can only connect the dots looking back. Do you get this? Like, are you hearing what is coming out of my mouth? Because you don't know how close you are. So we had so many meetings with Jay who advocated for us. We didn't know, like I said, that Jay was taking our files and others to Betty and Luke. Betty and Luke are Imran's foster parents, and they have a say, as they rightfully should. They've raised this boy on who they think the best family would be for him. We didn't know all of that was happening. We didn't know that 25 other families also expressed interest in Imran. And all of this is happening, and I don't know what's happening, and months are going by, so what I did was, you know that one pager that I told you about? We had it. 
I photocopied it and I cut out the picture of Imran and I put it in my wallet right beside the picture of Yusuf. So I'd have both my boys in my wallet and I would carry it with me and I would visualize that when I was walking with Yusuf, so I'd be walking with Yusuf and then I'd have my other hand out holding Imran's hand and I'd pretend that I had this little hand in mine. And if you were walking by me on the street, you would see a mother holding her son's hand. But I was a mother holding both my son's hands. It would be in September. So the ARE was in April. It would be in September after home visits. Oh, Lord, the home visit. That was something else. Okay, let me just tell you about the home visit. The home visit, Jay and the worker, they come, Jay and Trish. And I remember saying to to Yusuf, I'm like, because they have to see the family. They've got to see where you live. And I'm like, Yusuf, you be on your best behavior. What do you want? You tell me you got it. Disney, you want Disney? What do you want? An iPad, you name your price. You've got to be good. And our house, like our house has never been as clean as it was for Jay and Trish. Even for, like we could have sold it that day. It looked so good. Anyways, Jay and Trish, again, They give you nothing, these people. They give you nothing. And when they leave, I'm exhausted. And I'm like, Paul, I don't think I did a good job. I don't think, I don't, I don't know. And he goes, he goes, you're not auditioning for a show. It's not like, oh, you didn't really have the energy I was looking for. He goes, it's not like that. Anyways, thank God for Paul. He calmed me down. So it would be in September that Jay would call us and say that he was ours. We went to Pickering just outside of Toronto to meet him. And it was just a couple days shy, a couple days shy, see, I get so excited, of his third birthday. And we met his foster family as well, who have now become our family, Betty and Luke. There's still some times when Imran will say, why did I get stuck with this family? He has his moments. And then he'll even say, I want to, you know, I kind of wish I still lived with Betty and Luke. And I'm like, I understand I wish I lived with Betty and Luke. Betty and Luke have fostered over 100 children. They're in their, oh my gosh, they're like in their late 60s, early 70s now. These people, like there's regular folk and then there's Betty and Luke. Like they are a whole different level. And so I could understand why he would want to go there. And also they have a a kick-ass pantry. You know, it's like the grandparent pantry. It's like you open it up and it's like, Like, I mean, when my boys go over there, because we still see them, we go over once a month, they leave, like they literally have bags full of like chips and just all the stuff, chocolate and that sort of thing. So here's what I want you to know. You could be moments, hours, days, months, I don't know, away from that thing that is still in you, in your heart, that you want to create. You know, all those years when we were told no, 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 I thought doors were closing. They were not closing. It was a redirection. The universe is so kind that it didn't have me, have me walk through something, walk through that door. It closed it. So I could get closer and closer and closer to our son. So I want to suggest to you that those times where it feels like it's not working out, 
that you're not making any headway. I want to suggest to you that those setbacks, those doors that feel like they're closing are actual gifts. And if it is still in your heart, it is still for you. And you are closer than you think. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for being here and letting me share so much of my life with you. It honestly is an honor and a pleasure. I know there are so many podcasts, so many things you could listen to, and I just want you to know that I so appreciate being in your ear, in your head while you're on your commute, doing things around the house, however it is that you listen to this podcast. And as always, I just ask if it's something that you enjoy to like, subscribe, download, and share. And I will see you here next time. Bye for now.